Week four of Be the Church. I am super excited about this. Want to welcome all of our online viewers. This is weird. Even different states. Like this is. I'm still gonna figure this thing out. But yeah, it makes me nervous. Be the Church. Week four. First week we said racism is real. It's happening uh, around us, whether you see it or not, and um, that's whew, intense. Week two we said that. Um, the enemy is trying to divide us. The Lord is trying to unite us. That's what we knew. Uh, week three, we said about uh, the Lord raising up some men to do some really awesome things and be like Jesus. Amen? This week, I have gathered what I know. I don't often like say that I, I believe that you're going to hear from the Lord today, but today, I believe you're going to hear from the Lord. I wrote down four things that I knew that God had been speaking to me throughout this season. And um, as I wrote them down, I was like, okay, wow, this is a sermon. This is what, you're not speaking this to me, but you're also speaking this over our church into our body of Christ. And so I, I can't, I don't know necessarily what's happening for everyone, everywhere in the world, but I do know this is what I believe as followers of Jesus we need to um, simplify and be mindful of in this season. What was weird was after I wrote them all down, I was reading the Bible this week, and I stumbled across a story of a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Um, I don't know if you know about my man Zacchaeus. But, um, uh, and so it was odd to see all four of these points in order found in the story of a man named Zacchaeus. And so with that being said, uh, I want to read Zacchaeus with you in Luke 19. If you have your Bibles, you can get them out. Uh, next week, I'm really excited. We're going to do communion together. It's going to be really fun. Um, I feel like that's something that God is kind of asking us to do as a church and as a people is take communion together. So next week will be very special. It'll be very safe. It'll be very special. Communion. Jesus. I'm going to pass Jesus around to everyone. Well, Jesus for you. Well, Jesus for you. It'll be great. Here we go. Shut up, Tim. Luke chapter 19. Can you all do me a favor? Can you stand to your feet? Get off your couches for a minute. And um, here we go. Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho, and he made his way through the town. And there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, and Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name, Zacchaeus. He said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and, to, and took Jesus to his house with great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased, for he had gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to your home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. Can we pray? Jesus, help. Let your words speak to every person. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Sweet. 
Let's check it out. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I, um, what I know is in this story, um, the, the mission of our church is, uh, is not to make Christians, but to make disciples. What does that mean? Uh, there, anyone can believe in Jesus. The scripture says uh, in, in the book of James that even demons believe in Jesus, right? So um, the idea is that we're not just going to believe in Jesus, but we want to follow him. Jesus looked at Peter and had a life-transforming conversation, and he said, you are the rock, and I'll build my church on you. Jesus made 12 friends, and he poured his life into these 12 people, hoping that they would become carriers of the gospel, that they would become like him in his teaching and the way he loved and his mannerisms. He rebuked them when they didn't act more like him. He taught them how to be Jesus. He died, gave them his spirit, and said, now you are me on this earth. Be light, be salt, go and change the world. So, Took 12 people, and those 12 people made disciples, and they made disciples. And the idea is that we're not trying to just believe in Jesus, but we're all trying to become like Him. So uh, with that being said, that is where we're going today with this word. And I really feel like this is a powerful word because um, there's, there's crazy things happening all around us right now. And, and what they need is people need to experience Jesus. I wish that everyone can experience the peace and the love and the gratitude that I, I get to celebrate, you know, when, when we worship together. And people would have moments of recognizing that God is powerful, far above everything that's going on in this world. Man, I mean, how much hope that would bring to people recognizing that they have a friendship and a relationship with a God who is greater than anything that they're up against. Well, they need to encounter people that are mindful of that and aware of that. Anyways... I'm going to jump into the scripture here, back into the story of Zacchaeus, chapter 19, verse 1. And I'm going to read through verse 5. And it says this, Jesus entered Jericho, and he made his way through the town. And there was a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector in the region. He had become very rich, and he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Do you have to understand? It's a short man who is very wealthy, who is interested in this guy Jesus that's about to show up in his town. And... He uh, needs to see Jesus. He can't see over the crowd. So he climbed a sycamore tree because he knew that Jesus would pass by that on the road. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus. I'm going to stop there for a second. My first point today that I, I, I have four points. And I feel like all of these are four points that God has spoken to me personally in my life. And I feel like are critical to the body of Christ today. So my first point that I think you need to know is do not be distracted right now. There are so many things that are happening all around us right now in our culture. So many conversations. It is massively overwhelming. If you're not careful, you can become overwhelmed in just data, information, the whirlwind of conversation and arguments and trying to stir crowds. Uh, what I love is what happened in this story is that Jesus is in the midst of a crowd and he's looking for one person. He's in the midst of a crowd looking for one person. I think about this story. Um, John chapter 5 verse 19 would say this. Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son of Man can do nothing by himself. 
He does only what he sees the Father doing, and whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Jesus, there's no way that Jesus could have known who Zacchaeus was or known his name had it not been for the fact that Jesus spent time with the Father that day. He knew where he was going and what he was going to say. He knew his assignment that day and what his day was supposed to look like. I think that that is critical right now for the body of Christ because we're in a whirlwind of emotion. We're in a whirlwind of conversation. Many of us right now, if I was to ask us, hey, um, what are the stats on the COVID right now? Or what are the regulations on the COVID? And what's important is there's so much information and so many conversations happening that we have to tune in to figure out what's going on. And I think if we're not careful, we're tuning in to the wrong word, the wrong assignment, the wrong conversation. What I mean by that is, like right now, uh, in, 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 the, in the scripture, um, there is uh, this story. This is a side story, really, but it, it helps me identify with where we are as our culture. There was a people in the, the book of Corinthians was a, a city called Corinth. That city was a um, transportation highway. It was a little island where uh, uh, ships would come and drop off transports and they would trade. And because of this uh, commerce highway, all of these people came from all different cultures. This people struggled often to maintain um, focus on who God was and what God was doing for them. They often found themselves in sin. And there was just personality conflicts because people would come and they'd learn new things. As Americans, we've never received so much information in the history of mankind like we do right now. Information is coming at you from all different sides every day. We are learning and 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 learning, and learning every day to the point where even now the rules change in seconds. Where, where, where are we right now with the stance on COVID? And what are the rules right now to enter a restaurant? And what is going on? And what's the count? And what is safe? And are masks working? And are they not working? And uh, where are we at with, with this conversation of politics? And what's Trump just saying? And what's Biden saying? And where are we stance on this? And what's going to... There are so many conversations that we're involved in that we're tuning into to figure out what's the pulse on things that what I recognize is that it's becoming more difficult for us to tune in to what God is doing. A few months ago, when the COVID hit, I think that there was an awareness in the body of Christ that people realized, man, God is shaking the earth right now. We have never seen anything like this before. But I think what's happened is so many conversations have happened since that, that it's gotten easy for the body of Christ to tune out to what God's doing and tune into the conversations of what's happening. And we're involved in so many conversations right now that it's hard to hear what God's saying. God's voice is becoming like white noise. And uh, what I've learned is that one thing that God is saying right now to the church is do not be distracted. So what is the most important thing that you bring to any conversation that you enter into? More facts? More facts about politics or facts about the COVID or facts about what's working or not working or facts about uh, what, 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 what the economy is looking like or when it's going to rebound or what jobs look like. I mean, there are so many things that's overtaking us I think what's important is that Jesus walked into a city and he had the understanding that he was in that city looking for one person because he heard the father whisper a man's name to him 
Zacchaeus. I don't think there's ever been a time on the face of the earth that it's more important for the body of Christ to read their Bible than right now. Because we're involved in so many questions and statements and conversations, Jesus said it this way. Now, this is important that you hear these words, man, please. Jesus said that narrow is the way that leads to life. Narrow is the gate that leads to life, and few will find it, but many will enter through the broad gate that leads to destruction. Because it's easy to wander. It's easy to get lost. It's easy to lose focus and lose sight because we're overwhelmed in stuff that is stimulating us so much. Don't be distracted. What's God saying? Not what is the government.net uh, saying about this or this or this or this, but what is the word of the Lord in your life right now? Has God given you a scripture? Do you, is there something that God is saying to you about what he wants you to do in relationship to racism or politics or things? I'm not asking you what your opinion is. What's your assignment? Because you are a disciple of Jesus. It means less of me, more of him. It means that I need to know what God is speaking. Here's what I know. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I find myself searching for information and joining conversations but not having the gravity that's pulling me back to what is truth for me and truth for those that I'm going to encounter. Does, does this make sense at all? I, I'm getting distracted. I'm being pulled over here and pulled over here and pulled over here. But God wants to speak. I don't know if you've ever had God speak to you. But Scripture says that His Word is a lamp unto my feet the psalmist would say. Uh, in Hebrews, uh, or no, I'm sorry, in 2 Timothy, he says that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be uh, thoroughly equipped in every good work. Please, you have to understand, the way God is going to speak to every person in this room, the way that you're going to hear God's voice, is through the Scripture. It is so important. So, I don't think there's ever been a time in the history of mankind where you need to know what truth is. Because there's a billion of truths out there right now. There's only one thing that will endure. The word of heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will never die. The word of God is so important for you to understand what God would say to you for where you're about to go this week. Jesus met, he would often leave crowds and go have time in prayer where God would speak to him. He walked into a crowd that he'd never been in before and he saw a man he'd never met before. And he looked at him and said, Zacchaeus, point number one, don't be distracted right now. Don't be distracted. Focus. God, what do you want to say to me in my life? Focus on God's word. Please don't be led astray. You got that? Cool. Number two, this is a word from the Lord, man. I'm super proud of this. I'm super thankful that God is speaking to me uh, because his word is like gravity. Number two, point number one, don't be distracted. Number two is come together. We have to come together. It's super duper important that we understand that fellowship is critical in the body of Christ. When I am not around God's people, what happens is God's voice becomes distant in my life. It becomes faint. I may love God, but I love a lot of things. 
I love steak, and I love french fries, and I may love God, but it's different when I'm not passionate about God when I'm not around people that are passionate about God. We need to come together. In, 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 in the scripture here, Jesus, he, he, Jesus came by and he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name Zacchaeus. He said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Why? Because God had an assignment for Jesus. Now, who are you in this story? Are you Zacchaeus or are you Jesus? No, 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 no. You, you are always Jesus. That's why we have the scripture about Jesus. We're not just trying to follow someone that is great. Jesus said from his own lips, you will do greater things than me. In the scripture, you're Jesus. And he's trying to point out to you that he has an assignment for you in your life today. There are people in your life that you must hook up with. Well, pastor, uh, I'm social distancing. Fantastic. The Lord is leading all of us in different directions in this season. And it, it doesn't mean anyone is wrong. So there are some people that are watching right now that God is saying, you need to stay home. I 100% agree with you, and that is probably what God is saying. Here's what you need to know. God's calling us to come together. But that doesn't make sense. Let me break it down for you. Watch this. This is the word of God. This is not mine. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. Please tune your ears. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Anyone else get a sense that like, man, it is really getting crazy out there. What if Jesus is returning? I remember my grandmother used to say it when I was a little kid. I think she was crazy as can be. He's coming back. Yeah, he is, Graham. Hopefully one day so will be your marbles, I used to think, you know, like, but he is returning. There's a meme that's on Facebook right now that says every day, uh, there's this picture of this lady looking out the window and she says, what day of revelation are we in, you know? And I feel like, oh my goodness, it is like so nuts out there, it's bonkers. Maybe Jesus is returning. Maybe he's returning this week, maybe he's returning in 15 years, but what I do know is that he is returning. And as the scripture says, as we get closer to his return, we can't forsake meeting together because meeting together is what spurs us on to love God more. Meeting together is what encourages and allows other people. Many people are not going to find Christ because they came to church. They're going to find Christ because you are the church, because they met with you. What if they come here and they're completely annoyed by me? There's a high probability. My wife can attest to that tell you right now. Uh, but what if they meet you and they encounter a word that God put in your heart? Because God is speaking right now, but like a radio, you have to tune in to the station of the Lord. A million different stations on the radio, right? Is God speaking? Is He alive? If He's alive, I believe he is trying to speak about the craziness and the direction that he's calling you in. Point number one, don't be distracted. Point number two is we have to come together. Now, for those of you that are social distancing, I agree that I believe that God is probably leading many to social distance right now. Here's what I know biblically. When I look at scripture, there are times when God caused Jesus to social distance. 
for 40 days. There are times when God called Moses to social distance. Go up the mountain. It's always for a season. And it was mostly not for the individual. Because when God sent Moses up the mountain, it wasn't to stay on the mountain, it was to come down the mountain. He had an assignment and he had a message. I believe that all of us, if you are social distancing, should be highlighting the names of people in your life that you're supposed to be meeting with. Because we can't give up meeting together altogether. There are people, there is a word that God has put in your heart to give hope to someone else. If you are social distancing for a great season, then let it be because you're having face-to-face encounters with God, like John on, on the island of Patmos, right? You're having revelations. God is, if you are alone, then let it not be because you're alone because you're not trying to catch anything, but because you're trying to catch something. Because if not, then we're missing purpose. Then we're existing on earth in this time frame for what reason? No, you you didn't come to Jesus to just believe in Him. You, You came to Jesus to be like Him, to give something away. And so if we're gonna get away, then let's connect so that we can give life. Does, does this make sense? We have to come together. So I'm praying right now that God would give assignments to all of us, names of people that we must connect with. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I must come to your house today. It's an important that we wake up and we recognize, God, where, who are you leading me to in my life today? Today. Who are you leading me to Today. Who in my life specifically am I meeting? And what am I saying? Because I don't allow other people to just lead the conversation when God has given me a word to share. Does this make sense? Like I'm not, it was the old, uh, I remember like there was like an old youth group saying, I'm, I'm a thermostat, not a thermometer, right? Like I don't, I don't just take, tell the temperature of the room, but I, I set it. And so I want the word of the Lord to be something that helps me navigate through whatever conversation I'm in. So if we're going to talk about politics, Okay, well, this is what the Lord is showing me. I'm not going to argue with what He's showing you, but I just want you to hear what God is showing me. Because it's always got to be hope. It's always got to be life. It's always got to be good because this is what's coming from a good God. Point number one, let's not be distracted. Point number two, we must come together. Even if you're separate, find an assignment and get with them because you are the church. The church ain't closed. Cool. Number three, um, be contagious. Now, I like this one. I'm not talking about the COVID, y'all. But listen, there is something that we have that's supposed to spread. The idea that it went from 12 people to many people believe that there's more than 2 billion people on earth today that call themselves Christians. That's thinking awesome. There is something that is supposed to spread and spread and spread and spread. But what I, as I'm talking to people, what I'm hearing more and more of is anxiety, overwhelmed, yuck. But that's, that's, that's not the encounter that Jesus is calling me to have or carry. And so please understand that the hope of it is not for me to believe in Jesus, but be Jesus to a dying world. So you are the church. What are people encountering when they come into contact with you? Light is supposed to spread. Fire is supposed to spread. 
Here we go. Check this out. Uh, in, in, in this conversation here in Zacchaeus, chapter 19, verse 6. So Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and, and took Jesus to his house with great excitement and joy. I love it. Already it spread. Zacchaeus, this wee little man who had an awful job of grabbing people and taking their money, all of a sudden, his life had meaning. He's excited. Jesus is coming to my house. All of these people know he's coming to my house with great excitement and joy. And what I love about it is instantly Jesus encountered a, a man and already the devil's at work. Watch this next verse right here. But them religious people, people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Man, them Christians. Religious people are always trying to force Jesus' hand to do something. You can never control what God's about to do. I can only follow what God's about to do. So that's why it's important that I hear and do. And so these people are, are frustrated that Jesus isn't doing what, what he wants to do. And I love, I love that I love that Jesus would rather go and hang out with the sinner's house than all, with all the religious folk. That's what I read. I don't know. Your Bible says something different. But in verse 8, Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the Lord, and he said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And I have cheated people uh, on their taxes. I'll give them back four times as much. He hadn't even got to the guy's house yet, and already Zacchaeus' life has changed. Contagious. He's been contaminated. He caught, he caught the virus. He caught the good news. He was so loved that what he wanted to do instantly was give back because that's exactly what happens to someone that feels loved when you feel loved you want to give you want to help you want to change things and Zacchaeus instantly knows what he's done wrong and he wants to be a part of the solution hey how can I help that's a heart that says I've been changed and so we see this contamination, this spread has already happened. When you come together with someone else that needs hope and they find it and they feel loved and valued, we've never been in a time before on earth where people would love for you to call them and say, hey, I'd like to hang out with you. Let's do something. Let me buy you lunch or dinner or go, what can you do now? What's open? You know, uh, nothing. There's, uh, have coffee and talk and be friends and have cheesecake. Sounds like the word of the Lord. Mm. So John chapter 16 says this. Here's, here's what I know. Be contagious. Jesus answered them. Here's what I know is spreading. Jesus said, do you, do you now believe indeed the hour is coming? Yes, has now come that you will be scattered each to his own. Do you hear this? Jesus is saying there's an hour coming where you will all be scattered each to your own. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. And these things I have spoken to you, that in me you will have peace. Now in the world, you'll have trouble, tri tribulation. But be of good cheer, because I've overcome the world. I just want to stop and make sure you understand that the idea of Jesus is not a theology. It's not an ideology. It's not like something that we just think like exists. Like when Jesus says, I, I give you peace, it's an actual encounter. 
It is a physical manifestation and impartation that God wants you to have. This world right now is spreading a virus. I have found that far many more people are contaminated with anxiety right now. I'm not even going to say fear, just craziness is all around. I, I believe in social distancing. I believe in wisdom right now. Look, my mom is about to come next week. I am trying to social distance right now because I want nothing more than to hang out with my mom. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with using wisdom in what's happening in the culture right now. But I know that there's a whole lot of just sheer craziness happening in our culture. So much, I, mostly I don't even know where we're at minute by minute. Amen. And with that being said, with all of the things that are happening all at once, Jesus said, I, 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 I want to give you peace. I want to give you rest. Peace of mind, peace of heart. And, and that impartation, I'm reading a book right now. It's one of my favorite books. It is called Practicing His Presence. And in this story, Brother Lawrence, he was a, a monk, uh, a friar from more than 300 years ago, would talk about the moment when he enters into God's presence and peace comes over him. This moment of impartation where he is one-on-one -on -one with God. And that's something that the world can't give when you have an understanding that God is greater than everything that I'm about to come up against. Hope that things in my marriage is going to work out because God is with us. Hope that things in my finances are going to work out because God, you're the Lord of my life. Hope that there is no illness that I am up against that you cannot overcome. Amen. Hope that you are going to move in my job and in my career and in our economy. God, you, are, you have this. You reign over everything. And I'm not at war because you've already won. There's peace I give to you. And so I think there is a good news that we're supposed to possess that if we're not careful, we enter into carrying on and becoming a disciple of the world, spreading a message of more craziness, arguing about other stuff that we can't control or can't manipulate. All I can know is I can receive the love of God, forgive and love, and walk in the authority and the power that changes things. Does this make sense so far? Yeah. All right. Here's what I'm saying. One, Please don't get distracted right now. Two, what was the point? Oh, yeah, come together. Come together. We can't forsake meeting with other people. We have an assignment. Three, we must be contagious with what God's given us. We must spread love. We must spread joy. We must spread peace. It's got to happen. Either he's alive in me or I have got to draw near to the Lord. And the fourth one is this. Oh, yeah, yeah, I want to say this, make sure. The Lord didn't light a lamp and put it under a bushel, the scripture says, but that he came that your light would shine before all men, that you'd be a city on a hill, not hidden. So we can't retreat back to the scenario where we have something powerful that isn't being shared. Does that make sense? Cool. Fourth point is this. There is a call of God on your life today. Can you imagine waking up without purpose right now? I know that there's a dying world out there. I know that Jesus didn't awaken my heart to just believe in him, if even the demons believe in him. 
if all you needed to do is believe in Jesus, he would have called you home by now. If you're alive, there's a call of God on your life. If you're not dead, God has an agenda for you. And we have got to tune back into what it is he's trying to do. Because if we're not careful, we will tune in with the noise of this world, forget to tune into a verse, or, or, or let our hearts, let gravity bring us back to what, God, what are you saying to me? We are called to change environments, not be changed by it. And so many of us are carrying the weight of the world rather than the burden of the cross. There's a call of God on your life today. And all of you have an assignment to do something for Christ. We don't need you to just believe. We need you to be the church. Be the hope. You are significant. There is a call of God on your life today. And here's what I know. Jesus looked at Nicodemus and he responded. He said, salvation has come to your home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. The son of a man came to seek and save those who were lost. Have you ever had a conversation with someone where you were able to look them in the eye and tell them that they've been born again? That their life is changed? That there is a hope and a calling in their life? You know, there's a lot of your friends right now that are wrestling with depression, anxiety, finances, turmoil, divorce, rage, anger. You have hope and reconciliation in you. And the people need what it is that we're carrying, but we have carried it in such a way that we have forgot that it's significant. There's a call of God on your life. And maybe years ago, someone prophesied over you and said, you'd do great things and you'd go to the nations and you would, you are the church. Please understand that God has not called me to be the most anointed person in this room. We are anointed. And many people will never come to the church of you, the carriers of hope. And I think some of us have missed our assignment because we're distracted by so many things that's happening. We're being overwhelmed by so many things and we're forgetting, what, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying today? So here's what I'm hoping. I have a, a few more verses I'll read to you. I, I want you to know that God can speak to you. He's alive and he wants to. And it starts here. Where should I start, Pastor? Start in John chapter 10. I, I don't know why I'm picking John 10. I'm just picking John 10. It's a really good chapter. Really, really good. Chapter 11's pretty good. And chapter 12 is really good. And 13 is, is awesome. And 14 is, man. And 15 is like legit. Like, and so what you do is you read a chapter and you just stay there until God speaks to you. Well, how will I know he speaks to me? Because what you'll do is as you're reading this verse, you'll realize that you're not just looking at a, at a book anymore. You're, you're seeing your life. Right. And people in your life all of a sudden become part of the story. And just stop there and wait and look and let God lead you through what's going on. You'll feel something rise up and you. Uh, there's a power that's greater than you never had. This book is alive and sharper than any double-edged sword. It, it splits. The, it's a discerner of the heart and, and the, the, the discerner of, of, of your intentions, the Scripture says. It, it, it is powerful. And it wants to speak to you. 
The scripture says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. There's a call of God on your life. Listen to this. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. That is a daunting task. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. I know what you're up against, guys. God loves you. And now he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering for sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You're Christ's ambassador. There's a call of God on your life. This afternoon, when you leave church, you're not just going to lunch. There's a call of God on your life. Hey, Monday, when you go to work, there's a call of God on your life. Listen, I need to make sure that you all know that God has not called you to be a wife. And God is not calling you to just be a husband. He's not calling you to, 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 to be a parent. Some of you are like, that's the greatest call. The greatest call of your life, on your life is not to be a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife. It's, it's not to go to work and have a job. Those are all things that you're called to do. But the call of God on your life is, is to be sons and daughters of God first. To be significant in a dying culture. And that has to be like gravity that pulls us, that compels us, that says, I have significance and purpose in a time where everyone just wants to shut down and tune out. This is when we tune in. God has put something inside of you that is supposed to be more important than work or just tasking. You have an assignment. There are people in your life that God has placed for you to be significant in their life. There is a word that he wants to give you to reach them. Please hear me. Thanks for coming to church. Go be the church. This is far more important than anything you're going to hear from any pastor like that. You can hear the word of the Lord, and you need to. Don't be distracted by what's happening in our culture. Tune in. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would move in this room right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would move in living rooms and on phones right now. I believe that you want to do something in our lives. I am calling on your Holy Spirit to speak to every heart and every mind. I am confident that in this room and in any room you're in right now, whether you're just tuning in, that every time we encounter God's word, we should be changed. I believe that God wants to do something powerful in you. I don't think there's ever been a time on the earth when we are called to be sons and daughters like right now. If you're not right with God, I call you to the greatest relationship that you could ever have. And that's with Jesus. The Lord has a plan for your life and he wants to use you to do great, great things. Touch the hearts of people.
people to bring healing and love and compassion, truth, hope. There are some that are here right now, and uh, you love God, but you have lost that frequency where you're dialed in and God is speaking to you and using you. And it's been some time since you've opened up and said, God, today. And again today, and again today, and again today. God, use me. What would you have me to do today? Is there someone I can call, someone I can encourage, someone I can do a Zoom call with? Who, who can I meet with, God, that we can talk about what you're saying? Some people here that you've lost purpose. And I call you back to Jesus today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're online and you're listening, I want to encourage you to surrender your life to the Lord. He loves you. The hope of mankind has always been the church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it. His plan is you. If you're here today and you'd say, I need to make some changes in my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? Man, that's awesome. Wow. Praise God. Jesus, I surrender my life. I want you to speak to me, through me. Jesus, I surrender my life to you, and I want you to use me. I want to change people's lives. I want to bring hope and healing, God. I, I want to restore hearts. Lord, I want to live for you in such a way that we change eternity in someone's life.